You might have the idea that you do need to change your medication, and there's nothing wrong with that, doing your own research, but do it in coordination with a medical professional. Also, understand the reason for a change. Like, honestly, the reason I'm going through this upcoming change is I gotta believe financial on the part of the insurance company. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Well, thank you very much for joining me for another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I'm glad you can be here. I'm going to start this episode by asking you a favor. Could you please share this podcast? We don't have any advertisers. We don't collect any revenue of any type from the podcast, but I would like to ask you to please share. Share this podcast just with one person this week who you care about, someone who you think might find it useful, and I'd greatly appreciate that. Looking at my week in review, I've had unexpected travel this week. Now, I do a, a whole lot of planned and expected travel, but this week I had a week of unexpected travel. My daughter and her family are moving back down here near us, and they're in the process of selling their house, getting ready for pictures and getting ready for it to go on the market, and they're hoping to have it all wrapped up and under contract in about two weeks. And I volunteered to go up there and help them do some work, so I had a full week. I actually went up there the morning after I recorded the last episode, and here I am just about 12 hours before this episode has to go live, and I'm finally back home, so I'm sitting down to record this episode. But it was a fun week. Got to see them, got to see grandkids, but it was a week of a lot of work. I was working, I don't know, eight or nine hours a day for the past six days. So it was a lot, something that uh, I really have not been used to since retiring, our long days of physical labor. But, you know, we got a lot done, and it was good. As far as my numbers go, I have been able to close my rings seven of the past seven days, and that was good. had no problem getting in plenty of caloric burn, and I actually just went out for short walks each day, get those exercise minutes and close my rings. So that was that was easy to do this week, closing the rings. My seven-day average glucose reading has been 116, and that's perfectly good range. That's below pre-diabetes, so I'm happy with that. My body fat percentage has held fast at 21%, so that seems to be my, my new standard. That's where I've been now for several months, is at 21%. My macros for this week, over the past seven days, I've averaged 78 grams of carbohydrates each day, net carbs. You know, I don't count fiber or, you know, non-nutritive sweeteners, things like that. 
These are just regular digestible, what people call net carbohydrates. So I've averaged 78 grams of net carbs and 142 grams of protein each day for the last seven days. For my Manjaro update, well, bye-bye Manjaro. I was on my last box of my prescription. It was a six-month prescription, so I was on my last box, and my doctor called in a refill on that prescription, and my insurance company said no. I could not get my Manjaro refilled. So if you remember last time I mentioned when I filled the last box, the price had gone up to me from $25 that I had been paying up to $250. That was enough of a shock, but this was a real whammy. The insurance company said that my A1C no longer justified taking Manjaro. Now, yes, I know that's ironic because it's, you know, Manjaro is a big reason why my A1C is under control. But in their logic, that means that I no longer need the medication. So if you could imagine maybe being on a blood pressure pill and it works, and your blood pressure goes down. Would the insurance company then say, oh, well, you no longer need this blood pressure pill because your blood pressure is down? Well, yeah. Anyway, I think it's because of the money. I think it's because, you know, by me taking Manjaro, it costs them several hundred dollars a month, and they'll, you know, grasp at any excuse to deny it. Now, I know I could appeal that. I could challenge that. But the fact of the matter is my doctor really isn't interested in challenging that. I think she also agrees that, you know, I could be taking something else. I think, honestly, I think she's still upset because Manjaro was my idea and not hers. But anyway, regardless, I'm not going to appeal it. I am not going to fight it. I am done with it. So after taking Manjaro now for nine months, I have two doses left. So in about 16 days, I will be off of the Manjaro. And we'll see what goes from there. It's ironic, I think, today that the topic is going to be managing medication changes. This was unexpected when I picked that topic for this week, but it looks like I will myself be managing another medication change. So that's the Manjaro update. There won't be too many more of those updates. For my challenge and win, obviously being denied the Manjaro is a challenge, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. My challenge and win for this week is the unexpected travel. Luckily, I had some protein supplements to take with me. I was also able to make suggestions on meal plans and grocery items, things like that. So it went very well. This whole past week, even though it was last minute travel, really only expected Within less than a day of when I went up there, I was able to eat very well this whole week, lots of good tasting food, and all within my program. As you can see, my macros and protein, like I just reported, were well in line for this past week. So I'm going to definitely call that a win. All right, I do have some good news articles for you this week. The first one is entitled, Four Foods that will lower your blood sugar levels. As new research reveals heart disease link. 
So yeah, there's definitely a, a link coming out in the news having to do with high blood sugar and heart disease. Heart disease is often one of the complications of having type 2 diabetes, especially if it's not controlled and the blood sugar is very high. So it's, it says here in the article, it starts off you know, by explaining what blood sugar is and, and how you measure it, but we're all pretty familiar with that. It says here that eating refined carbohydrates, as we know, can raise your blood sugar. You know, starches, sugary foods like that can raise your blood sugar. Processed foods, I find anyway, much more so than whole foods like, you know, vegetables and things like that. But anyway, this article is recommending four foods to help moderate, let's say, your blood sugar levels. And it starts out with oats, nuts, seeds, and also tea. It says some fruits like strawberries, blueberries, and raspberries are also good. They do not typically raise blood sugar. Also, green leafy vegetables are great. They do not uh, raise blood sugar. But it says other types of fruits, go ahead and limit those. And starchy uh, vegetables like potatoes, it also says to limit those. But anyway, the foods that are supposed to be helpful according to this article are whole grains like maybe steel cut oats seeds nuts and tea and we talked about tea here recently on a, on a prior episode so it's a good article it's a short article but it's helpful I think now this next one is a study that's going on and it again talks about heart disease it's really in the news and diabetes and it says West Virginia University researchers are tracing the cause of diabetic heart disease with a $2 million grant of federal funding. And this study is ongoing, and it's at West Virginia University. And they say that, you know, the researchers are trying to figure out why that heart disease is a typical side effect from uncontrolled type 2 diabetes. So they got $2 million bucks to look into that. And it's the School of Medicine, Department of Human Performance, and the grant is from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. So this should be a good study. And it says, you know, one of the reasons West Virginia was picked for this is because they have a very, very high rate. 35% of people in that state have prediabetes, and 16% of the adults in that state have type 2 diabetes. So West Virginia has a, has a high percentage of folks suffering from type 2 diabetes, and so they're looking into this, and it'll be interesting to see what comes from that study and, uh, you know, what they find out. But the fact remains that there is a very strong chance of getting heart disease if you do have type 2 diabetes. This next article tells us about common symptoms to look out for. It says, four most common symptoms of type 2 diabetes not to ignore. It could lead to eye disease. So this article is focusing on eye disease. But it reminds us of the typical side of uh, symptoms that you might show before you get this eye disease called retinopathy. And it has to do with the blood vessels not working properly, blood not reaching you know, parts of the eye, and therefore your eye not working like it should, and that's called retinopathy. So just to remind us here, some of these typical signs and symptoms that you should not ignore are urinating a lot, especially at night feeling very thirsty, feeling more tired than usual, losing weight without trying, 
And additional symptoms of high blood sugar can include cuts and wounds taking a long time to heal. And of course, what this article is talking about, the retinopathy, the blurred vision. So don't ignore those symptoms. And if any of those things are getting worse, or if they're newly coming about, make sure you talk to your doctor about those. Now this latest article here is a cute little nutrition article. And it says, just a handful of this nut a day can reduce the risk of heart disease and diabetes. Once again, heart disease is in the news. So the nuts that it's talking about are pecans or pecans. Which one do you say? Do you say pecan or pecan? But this nut that is very popular with me, I like them the way they are. And if I was able, I would really like them in a pecan pie. I remember that and have fond memories of pecan pies. My, I, think, I think it was my grandmother used to make those. They were really good. But it talks about here one ounce serving, which is about 19 halves of unsalted pecans, have 196 calories, 3 grams of protein, 20 grams of fat, and only 4 grams of carbohydrates, three of which are fiber. It also has things like zinc and copper and manganese. But it's, it's a really a good food. And the fat it has, it does have quite a bit of fat. It's more fat than anything else. But they're unsaturated fats. And here in this article, they call them good fats. And, you know, they taste sort of buttery. And I don't know, pecans are just really good. And now don't go making a pecan praline and, you know, pack it with sugar and that kind of stuff. You don't want to do that. Just the regular nuts. And a trick I learned, if you don't want to overeat, Nuts, because they are very, very calorically dense, and there are a lot of fat, but buy them in the shell. And the time and effort it takes to crack the shell and pick out the pieces will slow down your eating, and you're less likely to just jam them in your face big handfuls at a time. So they don't mention that tip here in the article, but they do say that the pecan is a good food to have. So that's the news for today. Hopefully you found that helpful. I always like looking at those news articles and finding ones that I think will be good for the show. So today's main topic is managing medication changes. Now, like I mentioned, I'm going to be going through yet another medication change here shortly. You know, I, I got off the metformin. I got off the Farsiga. Now my Manjaro is being denied, and who knows, maybe we'll be back to metformin and Farsiga again. I know that was doing a, a pretty good job for me, the, the metformin and Farsiga. Before I started Manjaro last December, my A1C was hovering right around 6, I guess, maybe 6.2, something like that. So that's in the pre-diabetes range, but still... You know, if I have to go off the Manjaro and probably back to the Farsiga, that that might not be too bad. Also, I'm physically different than I was nine months ago when I started Manjaro. I mean, I'm at least down, well, I'm going to say about 25 pounds in the last nine months. And some of that is definitely the Manjaro. So maybe with my lower weight, and the Farsiga and metformin would be able to do an even better job than it was doing last fall, although it was pretty good. So let's look at the topic for today, managing medication changes. There's several things here to keep in mind, and I've, I've just listed six. And these will all be in the show notes, so you can look these over as well. 
but obviously the first one is to consult with your health care provider. Don't make changes to your medication that your doctor doesn't know about. Make sure you're doing it in consultation with your, with your health care provider. Rely on their knowledge and expertise to help guide you through the process. You might have the idea that you do need to change your medication, and there's nothing wrong with that. Doing your own research, but do it in coordination with a medical professional. Also, understand the reason for a change. Like, honestly, the reason I'm going through this upcoming change is i got to believe financial on the part of the insurance company. But sometimes your doctor will prescribe a different medication because what you're currently taking either isn't working well enough or maybe the side effects are causing problems. Maybe there's something coming on the market that's more effective. Maybe you have another health condition that's causing a change. So there could be various reasons to change these medications. Make sure you're understanding why this change is taking place. A third one here is is potential interactions. If you're taking a new medicine or swapping out one medication for another or changing a dosage, you really should understand how that's going to affect potential interactions with your maybe other medications you're having to take. Or will it change side effects? Even if it's not having a a different interaction with a different medication, it could be that the side effects of the new medication are different from the side effects of the old medication. Also, your dosages may be adjusting. You know, you're taking more of a medication, you're taking less of a medication. So you have to be concerned about things like this and make sure you discuss them with your healthcare provider. Again, side effects and then monitoring these side effects and monitoring how you're doing on the new medication. So it might be simple, you just swap out one pill for another, or in my case, maybe stopping at an injection and therefore restarting a pill. You have to monitor that, see how you're doing, especially if you're new to a medication like metformin. Metformin has some pretty strong side effects and you really have to gradually increase the dose. I think back when I was taking metformin six or eight months ago, I think I was taking a thousand milligrams twice a day, which is about the maximum that you're going to want to take of that. They don't show it to be any more effective taking higher doses. But it took a while. I started at 500 milligrams once a day and then eventually went up to 500 milligrams twice a day. And then several months after that, finally got to 1000 milligrams twice a day. Because you have to manage those side effects, it makes it a lot easier if you do it slowly like that to manage the side effects. And finally, cost and availability. I noticed that when I started the Manjaro, I often had a hard time getting it just simply because it was out of stock. And if you don't have good health insurance coverage like I did, cost could be an issue too. And that's another thing with this Manjaro. My doctor has prescribed it, therefore I could pay cash for it. But the cheapest that I could find it anywhere was still $988 a month. And that was with the Good RX program. And honestly, I'm just not going to pay $988 a month to pay cash for it. I just, you know, I could. I just don't feel right about that. That's just, to me, ridiculous. Now, if I was in a situation that that was the only medication that could possibly help a condition I had, then yes, I would have no choice. If it was between paying that or getting sicker, Yes, I would have to pay that. But for me, the cost 
is not a requirement. I know there are other medications that I could take that would do almost as good of a job and would do a sufficiently good job. So while cost and availability might be a factor, in this personal situation for myself, it's not going to be. So those are the six areas that I would recommend considering if you're going through a medication change. First of all, make sure it's done in consultation with your healthcare provider. Second, understand the reason for the change. Make sure you're aware of potential interactions. Make sure you're aware of the proper new dosages. Monitor any potential side effects. And be aware, at least, of cost and availability of the medications. Okay, for your questions this week, I got in one email from Katie, and she said she had two thoughts she wanted to share. So let me read those. The first one, it says, You said a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. I found this interesting. Could you elaborate? Maybe a future topic. I think what you mean is in terms of satiety, blood glucose level spikes, etc. Yes, thanks, Katie. That was something I often say is that a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. And then I often go on to elaborate and say that 500 calories of Twinkies is not the same thing going into your body as 500 calories of, say, chicken or steak. So yeah, I could definitely elaborate on that. And uh, that could very well make a good future topic. I certainly appreciate that. The second was on something we talked about last week, and that's streaks. She said, I actually use the Peloton app, and it focuses on weekly streaks, where you can get credit if you move even just one time in a week. This helps me be consistent, but not obsessed. I want to get credit for the week, so I move at least once, usually much more. But I'm okay to miss a day once in a while because I'm not breaking my streak. Well, thanks, Katie. That's a really good point. Yes, a streak does not have to be daily. A streak does not have to be hourly, like with my Apple Watch, the standing ring. My goal is to get it 12 hours out of a day, so it doesn't have to be 12 consecutive hours. And with your Peloton app, it looks like as long as you've done some workouts and some exercise during the week, you can, can, still, you can still continue your weekly streak, and you don't have to be focused on day by day to uh, you know break your streak. And that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, with the Apple Watch, if I don't do it for one day, then that breaks the streak, so to speak. But I could set up my streak to say it's equal to four or five times a week. And I would have to do that mentally myself. There's no setting on the watch to do that. But yes, I could do that. Just like your Peloton app, I could say, well, as long as I close my rings at least five times during the week, then yes, I can count that as adding to my streak if I wanted to do that. So that's a very good point. I'm glad that Peloton app works for you. And I hope you're enjoying that and have lots of good fun maintaining your streak. Well, it's been over 20 minutes. I'm going to ask you all to do me a favor, just a reminder, to please share this episode. That's going to help me grow the audience. And again, I'm not collecting any money. There's no charge. It's just, you know, the desire to try and reach as many people as we can. Gives me some motivation, if you will.
All right, so what is next? Well, believe it or not, this is the 50th episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. The first episode came out September 4th of 2022, and I have put out now 50 episodes. They come out every Monday morning at 4 a.m., and so out of 50 episodes, I've never missed one, never been late, which is a streak in its own, if you will. But what am I doing? What's next? Well, I am taking a vacation. I literally am. I'm going to be on a cruise ship for the next two weeks. But I'm going to take a podcast vacation. Now, for two weeks, I'm not going to have dead air. I'm not going to leave you hanging. There will be an episode, but it will be a replay. I'm going to look back over the past 50 episodes, this one being number 50, And I'm going to find two of the most popular episodes that came out over the past year. And I'm going to replay those two episodes for the following two weeks. So the next time that I'll be live, so to speak, will be on Monday, September 4th, again, Labor Day. So September 4th will be my next live episode, if you will. Won't really be live, but I think you know what I mean. It won't be a replay. So On Monday the 21st of August and Monday the 28th of August, I'll be putting out two replays. But then Monday, September 4th, I will be back with you here live with a brand new episode. Now, that should be an interesting episode. I will have been off Manjaro for over a week, almost 10 days. And so the Manjaro should be weaning off in my system. So we'll have to take a look at my blood sugar. My doctor's appointment is not until a week after that, so I won't be taking anything new. So we'll see how that affects my blood sugar. So that'll be interesting. And also, I think I want to look back upon my story and look at the changes that have happened since we've started this podcast one year ago. So that'll be the topic for when I'm back live on September 4th. It'll be a look and review at the year and see how I've changed, see how my management of my type 2 diabetes has changed over the past year. So I hope you enjoy that, and I'll see you again on Monday, September 4th. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.